Hello, witches and wanderers. My name is Missa. And my name is Katie, and welcome to the Baby Witch Podcast. Hey, Katie, how are you? I'm doing all right. How are you, Missa? You know, I am um, ready for spooky season. I'm getting excited. Mm -hmm. Halloween is just around the corner. Yeah, I'm excited. Personally, I think spooky season starts uh, September 1st, so <laughs> I've been watching uh, the seasons of American Horror Story that I haven't watched yet. I've watched uh, Freak Show and 1984 so far, and I still have a few more to watch, but, and then I might just restart it or watch something else spooky because it's spooky season and fuck it, so, yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm the same way. I have my whole, uh, like, October like show and movie lineup <laughs> I know everything mm-hmm. I I the only reason I don't really start doing Halloween early and some years I do this year I didn't because my birthday is at the end of September so it's like okay mm-hmm. we gotta do birthday first and then we can do Halloween that's true my sister's birthday is only a few days after yours and that was always the rule when I was growing up is that we couldn't pick our Halloween costume until after her birthday so ah that yes. makes sense see yes exactly you wanted to talk about any witchy stuff you're doing or if you just want to jump right into oh. talking about our topic today um I haven't really been doing a lot of witchy stuff lately so <laughs> yeah same I did like I've been I've decided I need to be working with light magic for dark times a little bit more heavily right now for where I am in my life um but so I've been I did like one spell from that this week but other than that, like, it's, you know, it's hard. It's really, I feel kind of more disconnected. I mean, it doesn't help that I'm like moved and I don't have my full altar set up and like, I'm still trying to settle into a new place. Um, but also it's just like spiritually a really stressful time. Although I did see my grandma and she did give me some roses from her garden. And I don't know about if anybody else knows this, but you want like organic roses such as those to make rose water and it's actually really easy to make rose water you just take the petals and you boil them in water and it makes beautiful rose water um but if you do it with store-bought flowers like they, they don't have enough of a scent so I think that's the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to do some herbalism stuff and I'm gonna make some rose water so yeah nice I guess I did do one it wasn't like explicitly witchy thing um but after the passing of Justice Ginsburg um, may her memory be a blessing and a revolution. I like drew myself a bath and, um, put some, um, Epsom salt that had like herbs and, and essential oils in it that I got from, which is a confluence in San Francisco last year and poured myself a cocktail and like put on a recorded, little biography of her from a uh, well he's a comedian that I really like um but it was from his memoir and it's just a, a little biography of her and that was just kind of like it was a very spiritual thing you know it was just my mm-hmm. way to grieve her passing but it was definitely a, a witchy type spiritual thing yeah and I don't think witchy has to be any certain thing like that sounds witchy as hell to me like that sounds a way to mourn like <laughs> I personally lit a candle for her when she passed, but yeah, it's like, I don't know. I don't feel like you have to do anything. Like you don't, you don't have to be like saying a spell and like trying to bind Mitch McConnell to mourn Ruth Bader Ginsburg's (laughs) passing, Um, which by the way, (laughs) if you do feel free to do it, which by the way, we are recording this on September 25th at four at seven Oh four PM mountain standard time. So if, I don't know. Maybe the world is chaos and we are living in Trump's dictatorship by the time that you've listened to this. I'm going to knock on wood. Um, But uh, yeah, just in case we're talking about stuff and you're like, ooh, this was recorded a while ago. Like, we're just letting you know right now. Yeah. But also, um, if the world hasn't gone to shit and you you are a person that does a lot of bindings or, or if you do hexings, really, I'm not into hexings, but if you do... And you want to hit up our buddy Mitch McConnell? That would be great. Just like, just find the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is gonna haunt the shit out of him. But we will talk more about that um, <laughs> later because 
in this episode, uh, we are talking about ancestor veneration. Yeah. Um, and I, we decided we wanted to do this episode probably like eight or nine months ago, but we're like, let's wait until October because, you know, you're getting into Samhain and, um, you know, Dia de los Muertos, if you're, um, if that's in your heritage. Um, and so this is a time when, you know, they say the veil is thin and it's a, if mm-hmm. you don't already have an ancestor practice, it's a good time to start one. Or if you do have an ancestor practice already, it's a good time to deepen that practice. So that's why we wanted to, to talk about this with all of you, either at the end of Libra season, beginning of Scorpio season, don't really know when this episode's going out. Kind of just when I get my act together and edit things and <laughs> yeah, and remember to upload them. Yeah. Well, it, first of all, no shame in that. These are stressful times. Whenever it gets out, it gets out as long as it's like in the month of October, but also like I remember when I was first starting witchcraft and, you know, ev- like in the witchy community, you a lot of people talk about October Samhain being a time to work with your ancestors and to have an ancestor practice. And that can be really, dis- that can be really disorienting if you're a brand new witch and you don't know what ancestor veneration is or how you get in contact with your ancestors or how you work with them, or you're going like, yeah, my grandpa was kind of a racist asshole. I don't know if I really want to reach out to him or like, all of my ancestors are still alive. And so, or like all of my relatives, like my grandparents are all still alive. So I don't really know because I don't know any dead people. Like how do I talk to these dead people? Yeah, definitely. Um, So let's just start out by explaining kind of what ancestor veneration is or, or what we mean when we say having an ancestor practice or working with your ancestors. Mm-hmm. So and granted, I have a, I have a small ancestor practice. I'm planning on expanding it, but I've given this year and a day to working with the Morgan. So I'm focusing on that right now spiritually. So it's basically working with your ancestors in the same way that you would work with a god or goddess. Kind of, it's speaking with them. It's coming to them for guidance. Um, it's a little bit more complicated than that uh, because, you know, with you know, say you work with the goddess Demeter, there's an established practice for working with the goddess Demeter, there's resources you can look up, there's, you know, prayers you can say to her that have already been written. But if you're working with your ancestors, every person's practice is going to be a little bit different. I mean, maybe not you and your sisters, because you have all the same ancestors. Um, But like, you know, if I am working with my great grandmother, Helen, I'm not going to be giving her the same things and working with her the same way Lisa would be working with her great grandmother. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, for the record, I'm not working with either of my great grandmothers. <laughs> you have four, <laughs> so you don't know that yet. Um, um, I can't even. I don't know anything about two of them, mm-hmm. and the other two. One was very abusive, and mm. the other one maybe, but yeah. I mean, my I do work with my own with my grandmothers. There, I don't have any grandparents alive at this time, so I I do occasionally work with with my just my parents' mothers. Mm. Yeah, I'm named for one of my great grandmothers. And I'll talk about this more later. But basically, like, it's become apparent that she is one of my like, big spiritual guides. Um, But I think it's because I am, I I think it's there's some more complicated stuff. Like she was a very spiritual woman. And like, I don't necessarily think spirituality is, or having a gift is limited to witchcraft. Like, I think you could be Christian and have a bit of a spiritual gift. So I almost wonder if like, she's guiding me because I inherited some of her spirituality and I'm also named for her and I don't know I was really surprised when she showed up in my workings because I was like I didn't you were very very Catholic I thought that you would be (laughs) against all of this yeah (laughs) well that's my mother's mother was a very devout Catholic and Mm -hmm. would absolutely not be okay with me being a witch um but also she's the one that taught me how to be a witch basically because most of her practices and the things that she did were, I mean, Catholicism is just so witchy on its own, but like mm-hmm. she had a rosary that turned from silver to gold after her like mother took it to the Vatican and prayed over it or something like that. And mm-hmm. 
like just just things that are so magical and so witchy and I'm just like okay grandma but witchcraft is bad but so yeah and also because she was mean I don't feel bad about you know and we can talk more about this but you know if if you think that an ancestor might not be okay with you using them in your spiritual practice that's definitely something to work on but for this grandma in particular I she was mean and I have no problem going against what I think would have been her wishes because I did that all the time when she was alive. Um, and sometimes you just have to say, screw you to people like that. So, (laughs) yeah. And there's also something where like, you know, um, Jessica Lignato talks about this because she's a medium. And so she talks about what it's like to talk to dead people. Um, and she says, you know, the first five years of being dead, um, people go through a change, they adapt. And so when you talk to people when they're just newly dead, you know, they're going to be going through a lot of trauma, a lot of healing. And so there's this concept of like, they come out on the other side of that, they can come out as what's called well ancestors, um, which are ancestors who, you know, have your best intentions in mind and who, um, you know, are working for your better good. And I think my great grandmother um, is like that. And also, like, I know she was a very interesting woman because I've heard stories about her and she was a teacher before she got pregnant and married and she had a truck and she was very independent and had a dog and lived, like, was a teacher on a Native American reservation in Nebraska. Um, But then she got, like, knocked up and got married because of that, um... But yeah, it's just, there's these sides I haven't heard of her, but the thing that I always heard growing up, because this is my grandmother's mother, my maternal grandmother's mother, this is my French great-grandmother, this is that matriline, um, this is like my direct matriline, like if you go from mother to mother to mother, um, but she like, my, she was very Catholic, and she raised my grandmother very Catholic, and then my grandmother married my Protestant grandfather, which in the 50s was a big fucking deal, um, and she like, basically disowned my grandma for like five or six years, basically until there were grandkids involved. She disowned my grandma. Um, But yeah, Yeah. I've always heard of her as like this mildly like vindictive and angry person. And then she was like, Oh, Hey, I'm one of your guides. And I'm like, Oh, this is weird. This is (laughs) awkward. But she's also, it's weird though. Cause so we always called her Helen, uh, Nani Helen, but she, uh, she, uh, her, that wasn't her name. Her legal name was Catherine Mary, I think. It was something, I know her first name was Catherine, and then her middle name was also something really generic and common in Catholic families. But what happened is that she went to school with the nuns, and there was already a Catherine there, and there was already a Mary there. So they just started calling her Helen, and that was the name for the rest of her life, even though legally her name was Catherine. And so I got named Catherine after her because she had passed by the time that. I was born, but yeah, I am named after her, which is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, kind of getting back uh, and this is going to be a looser episode because ancestor worship and veneration to us is very personal. And Mm -hmm. so we're going to be talking a lot about our own personal experiences. So it's, it's going to be a little bit of a looser episode. Um, Not that they Mm -hmm. aren't all pretty loose, but kind of getting back to, you know, what is ancestor veneration? Like Katie was talking about, at the beginning mm-hmm. um, and kind of heralding back to our last episode, what is a witch um, mm-hmm. talked about how to me, witchcraft is harnessing energy and where does that energy come from? Um, and so some of that energy again can come from a deity. It can come from working with nature or the elements. It can come from working with the moon and a big part of it can also come. And for a lot of witches, it does come from working with your ancestors. Um, and how and there's different ways to work with them and there's different types of ancestors and so that's really what we want to go over with you today because it can really help grow your your spiritual practice and and really your your life practices by harnessing the energy of those ancestors Mm -hmm. exactly um so yeah let's i mean we've already kind of gotten into it sorry i went off on a tangent there Um, (laughs) that's okay but yeah let's Let's get into it. So our first topic that we were going to talk about are blood ancestors. So I talked about that a little bit. It's working with, um, you know, 
the direct people that you are descended from. Um, and it can be, you know, I have a family where we tell a lot of stories about the generations that came before us, um, especially because um, my grandparents were all born here, but the generation or two before that, my great grandparents and my great great grandparents, a lot of them emigrated from Europe. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just, my family is one of those where we talk about our ancestors and like great aunts, like I knew a lot of my great aunts and uncles and like, like my cat I inherited from my great aunt June. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, there's just a lot of, yeah. Yeah. So again, this can be, um, working with your deceased grandparents, great grandparents, um, and even going further back than that. Um, so you can, um, because so for instance, I will never, I, I don't plan on having biological children. That's, that's not in my future. Um, I watched my best friend from high school give birth and I was like, that is not ever happening to me. No, thank you. Um, so I'm not going to have direct blood descendants. Um, I do have one, um, biological nephew and so he will have descendants potentially. And so also for me, when I'm looking at my ancestral line, and my spouse got onto like ancestry.com and we traced my family back. And I've mentioned this before on the podcast back to um, Massachusetts during um, the 1690s, during the Salem witch trials. And of course, not that any of those people were actually witches, um, but in my mind they were, and those are my ancestors. <laughs> I think one woman, and I need to go back onto to the ancestry website to check it out, but there was, there, there are occasionally people in the tree um, that I noticed that were like single women that never got married, never had children. And so, um, and I need, I'm working on building my ancestor practice, but those are the types of ancestors that I also want to reach out to. Um, the ones that didn't have direct lines, but are still part of my family history. Um, mm -hmm. so those yeah. are the types of, so there's, there's various types of, of ancestors that you can reach out to. Um, if there are specific ones that you want to work with, there's all, you can also just sit and, you know, ask. And I mean, there's also other ways. So there's this idea that we all have guides, like we all have our own spiritual guides, like it could be a goddess, it could be, you know, the spirit of the land. Um, but we all have guides and uh, Gabriella Hurstick's book, um, Modern Witch. Um, that's the name of the English <laughs> of the American version, right? Anyway, um, <laughs> she has this spell called meditating to meet your cosmic team. And when I was like a brand new baby, which this is one of the first um, things that I did. And, you know, it's kind of cool because you use mugwort and you kind of like uh, the way I did it is I like completely smoked out my room with a mugwort or bundle. And then I, um, you know, was just laying on my bed and you kind of looking at the ceiling and looking at, you know, looking in for, um, looking and listening and for sensations from your guides. And what it came through very strongly to me is that first of all, my paternal grandfather who died when I was nine. Um, and I had a bunch of cousins on that side of the family and I don't remember being particularly close with him. Um, but he came through as one of my main guides. And then my great grandmother, Helen came through as one of my main guides. And that was a big surprise to me because with my grandma, Helen, like she's super Catholic. It didn't make any sense. Um, but with my grandfather, like I said, I wasn't especially close with him. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'll get more into that later, but, um, yeah, it's basically like, you know, you could also just have some well ancestors on the other side who, if you just reach out, they really, really want to get in touch with you and talk to you and have a relationship with you. Um, and I'm, and in my case, like I talked about my great grandmother, Helen, I'm pretty sure she's reaching out to me because I inherited some of her spiritual gifts and um, I'm named after her. But with my grandfather, I actually like, I keep getting told that I'm a lot like him. Like he was very much into archeology span when he was alive and he was a writer. And I keep getting told that personality wise, I'm very much like my grandfather. And I think he's just hanging out because he's like, yeah, you're, you are me. Let's, uh, yeah, I'm going to guide you. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And again, like, so there might be ancestors in your, you know, family tree that you think that you want to work with. And so you reach out to them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's different, there's meditation to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Prayers, there's altars, we'll go into that more. Um, but then there might be ancestors that reach out to you. You know, if, if you're mm-hmm. just open, you say, I don't really know who I want to work with. Um, and so you do something like Katie did or, um, you know, any other type of, of meditation, a spell, a ritual. Um, and, and, you know, they'll contact you. I, at the beginning of the year, um, because I was very, very close with my, my mother's mother, um, even though we disagreed on a lot, um, she helped raise me. She is one of the reasons I am the way I am today, both good and bad. Um, and so I wanted to get a tattoo to honor her and I was planning that tattoo and it was right around what would have been her 90th birthday. And all I had to do really was like find the tattoo shop to do it. And one night I had a dream and it was about my father's father. And in the dream, it, it didn't feel like a dream. Um, I have had dreams about dead people most of my adult life. Um, And at some point I had to start thinking, I don't think that these are dreams. I think they're visitations. Um, And this one definitely felt much more like a visitation because these weren't memories of him and he was nothing like I remembered him. Mm -hmm. And you know how sometimes in dreams, like you see like, Oh, it was my second grade teacher, but it was also kind of my neighbor, you know, like, they either, they looked like someone, but they were really someone else. When I have visitation dreams, they're not like that at all. This looked like my grandpa, talked like my grandpa, but was so much closer to me and so much um, like jov- more jovial. And he was always very distant when I, when he was alive for, with me at least. Um, but in the dream, he had a, a tree of life tattoo on his wrist hmm. and you know, I woke up and I was like, whoa, okay, grandpa, I guess, I guess you're joining the party now too. Cause I mean, it was so vivid and so clear, even again, this was like back in February and I still remember the dream so clearly or the, the visitation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so and I, I realized I needed to broaden my practice, broaden my ancestral practice. Mm-hmm. And those are really common. Like my mother always tells the story cause her father passed before I was born, but she always tells the story of um, her father coming to visit her right after I was born and like just in a dream talking to her about me. Um, And she always remembers, um, you know, when she woke up, she could smell his cologne. Um, And so, yeah, I do think dream visitations happen. Um, I think especially spiritually, we get a lot of messages through our dreams and that could be an entire episode in its own. It's just talking about (laughs) stuff because I have, I, my dreams are less about visitations. I have dreams that tend to come true, like years down the line. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I've been having a lot of visitations lately um, with the same person over and over again. And I'm just like, yo, cool it. We're not even to Scorpio season yet. Like, come on. (laughs) Well, yeah. And Um, that's, I feel like the veil is hella thin this year, though. I, like I like my ancestor like I'm feeling a lot of that energy and like I'm already kind of feeling the ancestors wanting to talk to me and stuff um yeah yeah and, and I, part of me wonders if it's because there's such a a mass casualty right now that the veil is thin because there's so many people crossing mm-hmm. yeah like death is just a part of life right now so yeah yeah so if, if any of you listeners are also feeling this, if you've maybe felt like the veil was thinning, but you didn't know what to do with it, or you didn't know really what the feeling was, um, you know, definitely know that you're not alone in this. Or, or if this is something that you kind of always felt, but you didn't have words to put to it, or you didn't know that other people experienced it, um, it's definitely a part of witchcraft. It's definitely a part of, I mean, any kind of spiritual practice. Um, I always thought I was alone in dreaming about, the dead. Um, and it's something I never really told anyone because I didn't want them to like think I was. And I say this, I don't say this term lately, but I didn't want them to think that I was crazy. I didn't want them to, and no, I'm please go to therapy people, but I didn't want them to send me to therapy to, to think that there was something wrong with me. I was very young at the time. Um, and then one day I heard someone talking about like a dream that they'd had about a, a dead friend. And I was like, Oh, other people have those too. I didn't even know that. I thought I was alone. Um, so if, if this is something 
especially if you're very, um, you know, if you have a lot of psychic energy and you do feel like you're, you might have some mediumship. Uh, it's, it's a com- not super common, but you're not alone in the practice there. There's a, a lot of people like you out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's important mostly because I feel like with a lot of intuition and a lot of spiritual stuff, people get gaslit into being like, Oh, this doesn't make logical sense. So I'm going to, I'm going to just pretend like it didn't happen. Um, and you know, something happened, it happened and you need to honor it. Like maybe, you know, maybe if it's a person who just died and you're having traumatic memories involving their death, like maybe it's good to go to therapy if, if it's a PTSD scenario. But I mean, if, someone's been dead for years and you have a dream where they're just having a conversation with you. Um, like, I think, I think I've had a few visitations from my deceased sister. Like one memory stands out to me. One dream stands out to me very clearly, but yeah, it's very much like you get the presence that they're there and that they're there to check in with you and talk to you. And yeah. Yeah. And I think also one of the reasons that I didn't tell anyone because I, I didn't want to go to therapy because I didn't want the dreams to stop mm-hmm. it was you know the one chance I got to be with these people again mm-hmm. and why would I why would I give that up and again mm-hmm. even 12 years later I'm still having these visitations so you know the, the connection's still very strong there yeah um and those uh-huh. so those visitation dreams aren't even actually always of my blood ancestors um and so we want to talk more about the different types of ancestors where we want to start with this really, um, again, because we've been talking about blood ancestors and I've mentioned the term, you know, biological family many times, not everyone is part of a biological family. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're adopted, that doesn't mean that you don't have ancestors and you don't have access to ancestors. Um, I am of the belief that family are the people that have your back, not the people that have your blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so you absolutely can, you know, if you have access to that information, you can research your, um, your biological family, your blood relatives, get on ancestry.com, get that, that I'm, this is not a plug for ancestry.com. I'm pretty sure they're run by Mormons. Um, but you know, you, you can research that, but also your ancestry of lineage is also extremely important. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, you are the child of your adoptive parents, so you can claim that lineage as well. There's, you can definitely do that. Um, and, you know, also maybe the meditation, like I was talking about that meditation to meet your guides, maybe that's a good way to meditate and see if any of your blood ancestors come up or like if any of your lineage ancestors pop up. I mean, I know for me, there were a few guides that are one or two guides. I'm not going to make it sound like I met a million guides when I did this meditation, but there was <laughs> one or two whose names I didn't know. And I asked them their names and one didn't want to give me them, but the other one gave me their name and it ended up being, you know, an ancestor from pre-Christian times. Um, but you, yeah. that you can ask people's names when you're doing these meditations. Maybe you get like a presence that, oh, this is my grandfather. And you're like, this is my blood grandfather or whatever. And you start asking like, okay, well, what's your name? What's the deal? Um, then yeah, you can. Yeah. But yeah, just as far as, you know, blood ancestors versus lineage ancestors. Um, again, you don't necessarily have to focus on the blood ancestors, your ancestors and working with ancestors are working with the people who put in effort and energy in their lifetime so that you could succeed today. So they live their life so that you could live yours. And that's not necessarily, they didn't necessarily give birth to someone so that they could give birth to someone so that they could give birth to you. It could be someone who, you know, a, a teacher or, um, you know, a, a step parent. It could be someone who, who took in a relative. It could be a, a, a sister of a family member way back in the day. Someone again, who put in the energy to, to raise someone else, to raise someone else, to raise you. So, and they did, they want you to succeed. And that's why we work with them because they wouldn't have put in all that effort then so that you wouldn't succeed now, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's actually the best way I've heard that put. Um, Yeah. It's, and that's, we're going to be talking about like cultural ancestors, like your cultural ancestors, you know, I'm thinking 
you know, specifically, like if you had immigrant ancestors, you know, they worked to make sure that you could succeed or, um, yeah, so like cultural ancestors, you know, people of your culture worked so you could secede a few generations down the line. Like, think about it, you know, you're three or four centuries ago, your ancestors were probably peasants who didn't have anything. And now, you know, you have a smartphone and, I'm li and are living with central heating and can go to the grocery store to get food. And your ancestors are probably like gobsmacked um, about the life that you're living. Um, but we'll talk, we'll talk about this more, but yeah, that's, this is a good reason why you should be working with the ancestors beyond just what your blood lineage is. Um, yeah. And especially like Katie, you had mentioned, you know, what if your grandfather was an asshole? Um, and, mm -hmm. you know, we both mentioned having very Catholic grandmothers or great grandmothers. Um, if you feel like that religion, their religion harmed you or you wouldn't feel comfortable with them in your practice because of their religion or you don't think that they would be comfortable with you, including them. Um, Cause that's, that's definitely a thing. You know, you might have had a, a, a relative that you were very close to, but you don't feel like you could get the best results with because of how they might have viewed witchcraft and, and viewed your current spiritual practice. Mm -hmm. um, so it's important to remember, and this is actually something out of the book from honoring your ancestors by Mallory Vadoise, Vadoise, I'm bad at French. But, I think it's um, uh, Vadoise. Vadoise. Um, um, but yeah, so mm -hmm. just remember, Christianity's only been around for 2,000 years. You've mm -hmm. had ancestors since the dawn of humankind. Mm -hmm. um, your ancestry predates Christianity. So you might not be able to trace the lineage, but again, like what Katie was saying earlier, you can meditate and find an ancestor from, from 5,000 years ago you know, to work with. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a Christian ancestor or a Jewish ancestor or an Islamic ancestor. It, it could be someone, you know, who worships the old gods. Mm -hmm. um, so just remember that also as you're, you're building your practice. Yes. Um, human beings have been a, well, homo sapiens have been a species for 200,000 years and Christianity has only been around for 2000 years. And I mean, maybe you could get into some hominid ancestors if you want to go beyond that. I'm just saying, though, there's like, there's like one, 198,000 years of your ancestors that you can tap into and work with um, that were pagan and not Christian. Yeah, it's yeah a long line. And also going back to, you know, I don't want to work with my crappy racist grandpa, um, you know, in the ancestor veneration community, there's this concept of well ancestors. And going back to what I was talking about, these are the ancestors who have done their work on the other side and have done their healing and are here to support you and have the best intentions for you. It's not the people who had malice. It's not the people who are here to hurt you. And so it's actually really common if people are calling in their ancestors, they don't just say I am calling in my ancestors, which that's totally fine if you want to do that. But there are people who only ever say I am calling in my well ancestors to help and guide me. So that might be some terminology that you want to use if you have a lot of problematic deceased family members. Um, or if you yeah, want to. Thanks for adding that. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. And it could also be good. Like maybe you're nervous because you have a lot of problematic, like maybe your grandfather, the shitty um, mystical, mythical grandfather we're talking about, um, was also <laughs> to you and you don't accidentally want to like call in his energy. Like that could be a way to safely set up a boundary so that ancestor can't get to you unless, you know, he's done his healing and he has your best interests in mind. Yeah. But then again, those are your, your blood ancestors, your lineage ancestors. Um, we want to get into that. And that's just a small part of ancestor veneration. Mm -hmm. Um, so we want to get into, sort of the other types of ancestors that you can work with in your practice. Yes, before we do, I do just want to plug Honoring Your Ancestors, A Guide to Ancestral Veneration by Mallory Vadois again, or Vadois. I just, you know, there's a lot more to this. Like she talks about how, um, you know, when you start working with your ancestors, all of a sudden, you know, they're kind of pushing you to resolve things with your living relatives. Or maybe, I don't know if that's in this book or if I heard um, Pam... Uh, from the Fat Feminist Witch talking about it, but that's something that Paige. I like. 
oh page geez what did i anyway a page <laughs> feminist, which um what she was talking oh i was mi- mixing her up with pam Grossman. anyway yeah. a page from the fat feminist which it was either her it's from the book but um that's something that i'm going through right now is my like there's stuff going on with that um so there is a lot more um i feel like this book does speak very heavily like she does include there is a section there are several sections in here where she talks about adoptive family and being adopted um so if you're interested in that this is a good resource that um this is also a good resource for working with your blood ancestors um I mean, that being said, I don't know if it really talks about the other topics we're going to discuss tonight. So I just want to drop this before we move on. So you guys know that this is a good resource. She literally wrote this because she couldn't find a book that filled this niche. It's the only kind of book that is like this. So um, go look it up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, so we we want to talk about the the other type of ancestors that you can work with in your practice that aren't necessarily of your blood or of your lineage. Um, And so we wanna kind of start with a a cultural ancestor. And I think this speaks really heavily to a lot of people um, because these are people that might not share, might not be in your direct um, lineage, but they they had shared experiences uh, of your lineage and shared experiences that you're having now. Um, So this can be like an ethnic ancestor. So again, a lot of African-American people, you know, black Americans might be wanting to work with African ancestors, African ancestors that they don't know. um, But also people, people they do know um, people that made history um, that made progress for the black community in America um, that mm-hmm. they want that again, like we said earlier, did the work so that you, that you could have a better life now. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those people weren't doing it just for their direct descendants. They were doing it for their community. Um, and so again, this, so we talked, I said African-Americans, but that's just one example anything from your culture. So if it's, it's something, if you're Asian, um, and that's, that's very broad, but we talked again, what episode was that? Um, was it the witchcraft for racial, racial justice episode? Um, but where we talked about working kind of with, within your own magical practice. So you might be looking at those kinds of ancestors as well. Um, maybe not people that were magical, but just people that further progressed, the well-being of your people, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, there's also, if you have a religious practice, um, so say you're a Catholic witch, or um, so we'll say you're a Catholic witch, you might want to include Mother Teresa in your ancestral practice. Um, you might want her energy, the energy that she gave to the world to help you, you might want to ask her for advice, not in the same way that you would necessarily pray to the, the Christian God. Um, but you know, that that's your ancestor. You, those are the memories that she has that she, what the, the works that she did, um, that you can get help for, you can use going forward. So those are just some examples of, of other types of ancestors that you might be wanting to include um, that there's also, at least in, in my practice and, and maybe in, in some of your practices, maybe a feminist ancestor. Um, we, again, uh, uh, recording this, we lost Justice Ginsburg last week. Um, she's not, she was, she and I did not share a religion um, we did share a love of the law. I'm not a lawyer, but I would like to be one day. <laughs> um, and, uh, a love of women's rights. And so that might be someone that I would want to include in my ancestor practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do just want to say that I take great solace knowing that RBG is, or Ruth Bader Ginsburg is an ancestor now because I, Hope she had a peaceful transition. Um, and I also hope that she can just haunt the ever-loving shit 
out of Trump and Mitch McConnell and maybe the world won't fall apart and we won't get a freaking anti-choice Supreme Court delegate who yeah. seems to be anyway um now there there is some you know if going back to religious ancestors they're not all um religions believe in an afterlife um so like i don't believe in the jewish tradition they do believe in an afterlife so there was some some issue people were taking with people saying rest in peace or or that she's in a better place um because they don't think of like a, a heaven or or anything um but even if that at least my vision my idea of it it's just the, the energy um that's still here mm-hmm. so even if and and again this if this isn't if this practice or this mindset doesn't work for you that's okay um but if that energy is still here with this that's energy that i can still harness um i can use her energy that she left behind that baton that she passed to do good for the future, to do good for myself, to do good for other women. Um, and especially you might want to work with, you know, your feminist ancestors. Um, if that's the kind of spell you're doing, if you're doing a spell to protect women, just, you know, all women or um, specific women or something like that, or, um, you know, if you're trying to, get into law school, you know, that might be something or or you're a lawyer and you have a really sexist boss or something that might be someone that you want to work with. Um, So that's for me, I, when I think of my ancestor practice, I definitely am thinking of like the women who came before me, who paved the Mm -hmm. way for me to be here. Um, They put in the work so that I could have a, a better life and they're still putting in the work. They're still putting in the energy to help me because they want me to be able to, to do well. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good example of what we were talking about with when we were talking about adoption and the people who are working, working, who put in the work so you could have a better life. And I also really thought about the African-American community with that. Cause you know, you know, the civil rights movement, getting out of slavery, like their ancestors just culturally worked really hard So that way, African-Americans, period, could have a better life today. I mean, granted, there's still racism. I'm not denying that. But, like, that's why a lot of African-American people just refer to the ancestors because it's been an entire community. And with feminism, it's the same thing. Like, you know, Susan B. Anthony worked really hard to make sure that you could have the right to vote. And she is your direct, like, if, you know, if you are a woman that is one of your ancestors basically because she worked very hard to make sure you were better off than she was today so yeah and in the same vein as feminist ancestors um if you're a member of the queer community you also have queer ancestors um and i was listening to um, joshua conkle's podcast the other day and he mentioned that he had and i can't remember who he said so she go listen to his podcast and I don't remember what episode it is either. So you'll have to listen to all of the episodes, but um, he mentioned having um, certain kind of queer icons and queer ancestors on his altar. Um, because again, people like Harvey Milk, that's just the one that I'm thinking of right now. Cause he was just Jane Fonda just did an interview where she said that she tried to flip Harvey Milk. Um, but okay. I mean, okay. Jane. Anyway, <laughs> She said that she could have done it if she'd had more time. <laughs> I I don't think that's how being gay works, but okay, Jane. Okay. Um. So, she, but I mean, you have these these queer ancestors that that worked for you, and I've been giving a lot of thought lately to to our gay elders. There is a phenomenal um, monologue, I guess I would call it. Um, by Sam Pancake that he gave um, during a recording of Love It or Leave It, I believe in January of, of 2020, about respecting your gay elders because a lot of them didn't make it. You know, a lot of them didn't survive the AIDS crisis. And, but those people that didn't survive the AIDS crisis, those are, if you're, if you're, you know, a, a queer person, um, especially in America, those are your ancestors. Um, those are the people that, that fought and marched and died 
so that you could live the life that you have now. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so all of those kinds of, of, of people. And again, those are just kind of some examples that we were talking about, but if, especially if maybe your, your biological family or, you know, your direct lineage, if those people hurt you, um, if you just can't seem to find connection with them, um, there are other cultural ancestors that you can work with, um, mm -hmm. or you can work with both. I'm not saying it's not a one or the other practice. You might work, um, with your, your grandmother as your guide, and you might also work with Elizabeth Cady Stanton as your guide as well. Like there's, there's lots of people that, that worked and gave their energy so that you could be here today and so that you could be making change. So continue to, to tap into their energy. Mm -hmm. That is very well put. Oh, boo. Are your ancestors, they worked, you know, we were just speaking about the gay movement, like Harvey Milk worked. So, you know, Colorado's governor right now is currently the first openly gay governor ever in U.S. history. Like, you know, Harvey Milk became the first Yale openly elected official. He was just like on town, on city council or um, yeah, city council. But, you know, he did that. So Jared, like he is the ancestor of Colorado Governor Jared Polis because Jared, Jared Polis has expanded on his legacy. So it's, yeah. Yeah, there's, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of power there in that thought. Um, and then since this is a, a witchcraft podcast, we would be remiss not to also add in your magical ancestors. Um, so like we said earlier, ancestry predates Christianity. Um, and so you did have ancestors that were, or most likely anyway, working with the same deities that you're working with that lived a life very different than ours and lived a life with magic. Um, so, you know, those are definitely ancestors that, you know, the, the witchy ancestors that you can, that you can work with. Um, but also there's, there's famous witches of history, Doreen Valiente. Um, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't probably work with Gardner. Um, <laughs> um, but I mean, there's, you know, if, if there's a, a witch from history that you've read about or you've read um, their work, of course, incorporate them into your practice. I mean, they they laid a foundation for, for us, for our practices today. Um, Katie, are there any like specific historical witches that you work with? Um, I don't, although maybe I should. I mean, I work more in the folk magic tradition. So I don't, because it's, you know, um, folk <laughs> tradition, there's not, um, there's not really one person. I mean, maybe I need to do more research and there is one person who I should be venerating, but because, you know, it's kind of passed down and it's really being, um, like you either go back and you read the historical record and you find folk magic or um, you, someone has written it for today's use. But yeah, because I am not really doing a set path. I like, I know people venerate Crowley and I know offense to Crowley, but I don't like his ceremonial magic. So I don't venerate yeah. Crowley. Um, so but I don't again, know. Maybe you I don't necessarily have to, um, you don't really have to work with one ancestor. Um, <laughs> I hear boo again. <laughs> can, even if it's not a witch that maybe you know their name right now, um, mm -hmm. you know, that's, you can tap into, you know, the, the people again, that, that paved the way for you. So, so the witches of your, of your past, of the past, um, that even if you don't know a specific one, you can work, you can meditate, um, to, to learn more about them or to, to access their energy and, and start working with them. Um, mm -hmm. and also a lot of witches were lost during, uh, during, and not necessarily even witches, a lot of people were lost during what we refer to as the burning times. Um, you may hear that referred to a lot. Um, there were some people that, you know, they, they murdered a lot of people. So maybe some of them were practicing witches, but a lot of just, um, 
you know, I want to say more like folk magic type people, um, people that were different, uh, were burned and uh, accused of witchcraft. Um, and even though they might not have put in the work to make your life a better place, uh, you know, it, like we talked about earlier, put in the work to, to help you then, you know, it's not a bad idea to include them in your practice to at least honor their sacrifice. Um, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't necessarily a willing sacrifice. Um, you know, people, people died and people had to see the error of their ways in order for us to be able to be somewhat in the open today. So mm-hmm. you could definitely include people like that in your practice as well. Yes. And that is important. Um, you know, if you look at it historically, a lot of times the women and men who were killed in the burning times, they might not have been witches. They might've been witches. They might've just been midwives, but I feel like, you know, herbalism, a lot of stuff that we carry today, you know, would have come from those wise women and midwives that, you know, might've been Christian or they might've practiced like a Christian version of folk magic, but they wouldn't have considered themselves a witch. And uh, a lot of people weren't even witches, but however, they, they suffered in our lineage and because of the legacy of witches. Um, and you know, there's also, you know, people have had to fight for witches to, and I think this is a fight that we're going to have to continue, unfortunately, but, you know, there are people where, you know, they were witches in a small conservative town and they had their kids taken away from them. Or, um, you know, there are, you know, witches have had to fight um, and are continuing to fight. Um, But yeah, there's, there's been a stigma against witches and people have been fighting to at least have it, you know, not be considered, you know, go going and fucking the devil or whatever the Puritans <laughs> thought it was. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, again, those are, those are people that um, would have a, a place in your ancestral practice. Um, and then the last one that I want to mention, and we've talked for a long time, but um but the last type of ancestor that I want to mention, and there are other types too, this is just kind of a, a starting point for you, um, are your land ancestors. And this is specific to people living in the United States. Um, but the land that you're living on, we've talked about this before, um, is stolen indigenous land. Um, and you can go to native-land.ca to learn whose land you're currently on. Um, and I find it important when I'm doing any kind of magical practice um, to recognize that, that land and the people that lived here before me. Um, But I think it's also important unless you are indigenous, um, when you work with your ancestors and harness their, you can harness their energy. You can ask them for things. You can ask them for help. Um, In this situation, this is not a time when you would necessarily ask these ancestors for help. Um, you're simply honoring them. You're thanking them. Um, you're even apologizing. You're trying to make it right. Um, mm-hmm. But that's definitely, you know, if, if you're going to be doing magic on this land that was sacred land, um, honor the people that whose land it is. Yes. And I actually really like this idea. I have never heard of this idea until you sent me the outline for this show. Um, but because... I work with the land here where I live and the land is just screaming like this is, you know, this is the land of Native Americans. This was, you know, your people haven't been here that long. This is, you know, there's tension there. And I've been trying to figure out how, like, how do you work with the energy of Native American ancestors when, um, when you're not a Native American yourself, but this is the land that you live on. And I, I, you know, I can't go back to Europe. I don't think any of my ancestral, like my, the countries that my ancestors came from would let me go back to Europe. So I need to figure out how to work with this land that I live on and that my family has belonged to for three generations. Um, And I think this is a really good way to do it, like leaving offerings for the spirit of the land and for the ancestors of the land Um, but don't ask anything of them. And I don't know if we've talked about this yet, but that is kind of, those are basically the two ways that you work with ancestors is 
you give them offerings. Um, and, you know, some people say every time you make a meal, make a little plate for your ancestors, um, just for them with, you know, just a spoonful of each type of food, that sort of thing. Um, so like one part of it is you leave offerings for your ancestors and then you can ask them for stuff. And I feel like this relationship where, because they're in, at least in the United States, um, this may be different, say, if you're listening to this in Ireland and you live, you know, in a place that wasn't completely conquered um, and colonial or and colonized. Um, but yeah, I feel like this is a very good power dynamic. And I feel like this is what the land wants. The land wants some sort of reparation. The land wants um, us to honor it. And I feel like this is a good way of honoring it while not necessarily overstepping our boundaries as white people. So, yeah. yeah. That being said, if you are an Indigenous American and you've heard me say this and you say, please don't do this, please don't include my ancestors in your practice, you definitely reach out to us, let us know. I, again, we don't want to be overstepping. Um, I, this is, anytime we do like ICE protests and things like that, um, we always honor the land that we're, that we're on. And so that's something that I started working with in my practice. Um, but again, if it's, it's, if it's something that, that you or someone, you know, an, an indigenous person, you know, would not want, definitely let us know. We can always make corrections. Um, mm -hmm. We're always still learning. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, like Katie was saying, um, and this is, I feel like I've been dominating the conversation now, but I'm really probably going to turn it over to Katie a lot here um, because we talked about who your ancestors are, but we haven't really talked about how to work with them. Um, so we've talked about, you know, meditating to find out who they are or reaching out to them. You know, if you have a specific one you want to work with, but then what do you do with that? How do you, mm -hmm. how do you go from there once you found your ancestors? Mm -hmm. Yes. And the main thing that people say to do is to create an ancestor altar. Um, it doesn't have to, it can be a separate altar. Like you can dedicate it in a, an altar just to your ancestors, although it doesn't have to be. Um, when I was in my previous living situation, I had a very small altar and my ancestor veneration stuff was just mingled in with all my other things. Um, but the, what um, Mallory Vaudois recommends in her book is if you don't know where to start, just start with a plain white candle that you burn as an offering and a glass of water that you leave out as an offering. I've been doing that. Um, I've been doing that. I found like a family heirloom crystal glass and, you know, once a week I, empty out the water. You want to empty it out. I empty it out into a plant or into nature. You don't just want to dump it down the sink. Um, but I empty it out. I wash the glass and then I fill it back up again. So you want to make sure you're not like, you know, leaving out stale water for a month for your ancestors who you are trying to venerate. Um, but yeah, if you just want to start, just start with a glass of water and a plain white candle. Um, and then little things happen. Like, I was doing white pillar dollar store candles for a little bit and they kept on just like not lighting or going out. And then I was like, Oh, I get the message. You guys don't want dollar store candles. Okay. I'll start doing nicer candles. And then last Samhain, as I was moving, I did a big ancestor altar around Samhain. Um, and in all honesty, you can just go and try to find um, like little, like little things. It could be um, I like, I have a coin purse that, one of my great uncles, um, like I just had been buying his groceries for him and it was in my purse and yeah, I have just like a little coin purse with like pennies in it. And so I put that on the ancestor altar because it's something that he had or like photos of your ancestors or, you know, if you had really, you know, if you had a devoutly Catholic member of the family, you could put out a rosary. Um, you know, it's things that connect you to your ancestors directly. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that's, again, like, even if it's a, if it's not a, a ancestor of lineage, um, you know, it could be, a, you know, you can make an, a votes for women sash and put that on your ancestor altar if you're, you know, um, you know, working with uh, like a suffragette <laughs> ancestor, something like that. Um again photos you can print out photos of, of queer ancestors or of cultural ancestors um you can go to a place that was special to that ancestor so some place that they're from um or you know you might 
journey to the homeland, wherever that homeland was, um, could be Nebraska, it could be um, a small town in, in Germany, um, and collect some dirt from there. You could even um, collect dirt from their grave. If you're doing that, always make sure that, you know, you're, you're asking them. Um, I, I do have a collection of graveyard dirt, um, mostly from my friends that have passed away, just because that way I can, instead of having to constantly go to their graves, I can just have a piece of their grave here with me. Um, but again, I mean, you could go, so for instance, for my maternal grandmother, um, I spent a lot of time with her in Fort Bragg. And so I might take some glass that I have from the glass beach and put that on my altar for her. Um, the other thing like Katie was talking about was offerings. You can start with water, but if you ha if you know that there was something that ancestor liked, you could put that out as well. Um, mm -hmm. If you're working with your mother's great uncle and the story about him is that he loved um, his cigars, you might put out a cigar for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can do cigarettes. You could do like, if your, you know, grandmother loved roses, you could put out roses on your altar. Um, you could also, and this is, and you could also, you know, make a little plate every time you make dinner and leave it out for them. And then, you know, dispose of that in the like in the morning or whatever. Um, but yeah, leaving out, you know, your altar is also a place where you leave out offerings to your ancestors. Um, yeah, yeah. Just like you would with, you know, if you're working with a deity or something like that, you can work with your ancestors that way. Um, and then leaving them those offerings, you're, you're building that relationship with them. You're building that connection. And then when you do need to harness your, their energy, when you need something, um, so say one of your ancestors that you've been working with for a while, you know, um, was, you know, really great with, um, or was an, a great parent, say, um, you know, just, just a super mom or something like that. And you find out that, you know, you're expecting or your partner's expecting, um, you may then work with that ancestor that you've built that relationship with, and now you need their energy, you need their guidance. That's where you get into, you know, the crux of it, where, why we're, we're working with these ancestors or why we're working with, with any kind of guide, um, mm -hmm. is to, to help you in your magical practice. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, and I think, uh, we just wanted to finish off with some other ways to honor your ancestors. I've heard of, and this, if Christianity hurt you and you no longer want to work with it, or if the religion of your ancestors hurt you and you no longer want to work with the work with it, you can throw this out. But I've heard of this concept of, you know, working within Christianity as a way to honor your ancestors. So I've been toying with the idea. I haven't done it yet, mainly because I'm, I'm really bad at remembering just to do my Morgan stuff, let alone this other stuff. So I'm going to try to focus on that once uh, this year and a day is done. Um, but I've been toying with the idea of saying a rosary every Sunday for my ancestors because I have a lot of Catholic ancestors and I think they might like that. Um, but yeah, there's just some, you know, doing acts of service or, um, you know, talking to your ancestors. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot you can do. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to have an ancestor altar. Mm -hmm. Um you can, maybe you just sit and meditate and then talk with your ancestors, or maybe, um, you know, your one of your ancestors loved whiskey. And so you go and you pour two glasses of whiskey and you sit outside and you just talk with them, um, and honor them and then, you know, pour out their glass of whiskey. Um, and that's it. That's, that was how you, you honor them. Um, really just anything you could go to a place that's special to them. Like I said before, but you don't have to collect anything. You could just go and, and sit with them. Um, you know, recognize them and honor them in that space that they held close to them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's a lot of ways to connect with your ancestors and, you know, you can do, yeah, you can, it's really yours and everybody, cause everybody has different ancestors your ancestor practice is going to be different from everyone else. So, yeah. Well, and even like Katie, like you had said earlier, you know, your practice might not be different than your sisters, but it could be because um, you might have the same lineage ancestors or blood ancestors, mm -hmm. but you might have very different cultural ancestors. Mm -hmm. um, 
different things might be important to you. And so you might work with, or even different ancestors might, you might, you know, maybe one of you works really well with your mother's father's mother mm-hmm. and the other sibling just can't get along with that ancestor. They, they you're not vibing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, again, everyone's, everyone's practice is going to be different and that's okay. And that's witchcraft. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We exactly. talk a lot about how we don't have a dogma. That's witchcraft. Yes, that's witchcraft. Everybody does their own thing and we are all happy about it. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you have any questions, comments, suggestion, if there was a part of this that you would like us to go more into depth with, um, you know, definitely, definitely reach out to us. Yeah. And if you want to email, it's babywitchpod at gmail.com and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at babywitchpod. Yeah. So everyone have a, um, a blessed and a safe Samhain, um, day of the dead, um, you know, whatever tradition you do practice during this time when the veil is thin, um, And Katie, is there anything else that you want to add before we, before we sign off? Yeah, just be kind to yourself. Take care of yourself. Um, You know, I am very worried going into this fall that COVID could get worse and we could all be isolated again like we were in the spring. So just be kind to yourself, take care of yourself and just, yeah, I mean, shit's scary. I'm this election is terrifying. Just, you know, fight the good fight, but also make sure that you are um, nourishing your inner flame as well. So, yeah. And ancestral practices is, is a great way to do that too. Cause you don't need to leave your house to work with your ancestors. Um, that's stuff that you can do inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a weird COVID slogan. Don't go outside. <laughs> Talk to your dead grandma. Um, yeah absolutely (laughs) why not yeah all right everyone we will talk to you next month on the next magical monday bye